Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Dumpling Dudes. I'm Ben Fisher, the pierogi person, and joining me, as always, is Zach Hackett. What's up, guys? The Gyoza guy here. We are ready to walk through our ultimate tier list. Welcome back. Glad to have you. Before we jump into our tier list here, we do have our usual housekeeping sort of things. Check out the Dumpling Discord. We've got all sorts of channels there to talk about every single kind of breaded product that has filling in it that you can imagine. It's the best place to be to join the Dumpling Denizens and be be one of us. So check that out. The link is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you want to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dumpling dudes. Check that out. We recently brought back our coaching. We're doing office hours once a month where we are going to do live dumpling cooking classes for all of our bento box tier patrons. So definitely jump into that if you aren't already a member. All right, Ben. It's that time of the week again. We have our wonton of the week. So talk to me. What were you eating? All right. So this week I had a little bit of tortellini, which of course is a dumpling. And this week I prepared kind of like I had a kind of leftover half bag of tortellini. And I know it's not the good stuff. You know, this wasn't fresh at all. This was just kind of your stock stuff. It was a school night. Kind of just needed to get things done. But, you know, I got the tortellini going. I prepared some fresh vegetables, some red sauce, uh, some some nice you know olives, some some garnish. Uh, some, some nice greens to toss in there as well. Oh, I, I did heat up some meatballs too and, and, and just, you know, fired some meatballs. Which in are objectively not a dumpling. Yeah, of course, not a dumpling uh, unless, I guess, hmm, what, what about like a tiny corn dog? Is that a dumpling? Like a, like a mini corn, like a fully enclosed? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that a corn dog removed of its stick is a dumpling, but mm. discussion for another day, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, that that could be a whole episode topic just on its on itself. I should note that I did heat up some baby corn dogs as I was in my freezer, and then had <laughs> those as a snack as I was preparing the said tortellini. Uh, how about you? What kind of dumplings have you snacked on this week? Yeah, this week I actually had some Thai dumplings. I've never had Thai dumplings. I know, I know, shocker for for being, but I am the gyoza guy, so I I tend to lean toward gyoza. These mm, Thai dumplings were were different in shape than I anticipated. They were a little on the smaller side, probably about golf ball size, and they were like a thin um, sort of thin, thin sort of wrapper, kind of similar to gyoza actually, or maybe something closer to like a, a Thai spring roll even, um, like rice paper sort of thing. But it was a little thicker than rice paper, and um, the filling was delicious. It was they were pork filled and had some veg in there, and really delicious. I, I find that a lot of times gyoza can be very kind of have some tartness to it. I guess ba- the sauce that they kind of or the ingredients that are put in the the pork mixture in pork gyoza tends to have a little bit of a tartness. These were not that. They were on the more savory side and quite delicious. I would definitely go back. Excellent. Good to hear. Now, I think it's time we get into our main topic for today. That's right. (laughs) I mean, we are the dumpling dude. So it was only a matter of time, although it took us 93 episodes of, of dumpling talk to get to our ultimate tier list. That's right. We are finally going to rank Every single dumpling. And now you might be thinking, well, pierogi person, there's only so many dumplings out there. How could you do that? Well, thankfully, we have uh, a rather open-minded definition of what constitutes a dumpling. And believe it or not, pretty much every culture on earth has their own version of a dumpling. Right. So we've selected basically one per sort of area of the world, I suppose you could say. And uh, we're going to walk through all of these different dumpling variations. But we're going to be talking about these these in tiers and kind of ranking them as they relate to each other as well as just food in general. And if you'd like to see our finalized official Dumpling Dudes tier list, that's right, patrons of the Bento Box tier or higher will get access to our sorted tier list in beautiful art. We've got our artist working up something really awesome for us. So Definitely jump in the Patreon if you aren't already there and you want access to this tier list. 
But Ben, we're starting off our journey with our dumplings here in, you guessed it, South America with the empanada. So if you aren't familiar, an empanada is essentially a type of baked or fried turnover consisting of a pastry and some form of filling. A lot of empanadas have a meat-based filling with various different veg- vegetables or filling types that kind of get added into the meat mixture. And personally, I'm a fan. I mean, I grew up, uh, my, my mother's Brazilian, so I have kind of tasted of the South American style of empanada, and I'm a big fan. The ones we make from Brazil are typically uh, beef, uh, ground beef inside of the, the pastry, and have hard-boiled egg, olives, onion, and a handful of bits of seasoning, salt, pepper, some different... Um, things like cayenne or, or paprika and, and that sort of thing. And they're delicious. Absolutely love them. Now, it's important to note that the difference between uh, empanadas you might find in like Mexico versus the empanadas you might find in, say, the Philippines, where I believe they were carried by Spanish colonists. And if my memory serves me correctly, I'm pretty sure Filipino empanadas end up having a, a thinner, flakier crust and almost more like a pastry. And and we know, too, that the, the fillings are t- typically different between a more Asian-style empanada. While the, the crust could be relatively similar to a South American one, the filling actually from, say, as you mentioned, a Filipino empanada might have some other starches like potato. They also typically use some form of soy sauce and oyster sauce to kind of mix in with the mixture in there to give more of that sort of Asian flavor palette that you might come to expect from other foods in that cuisine type. But yeah, both amazing options. I think no matter where you're going to get your empanadas, you're going to have a good experience. So long as they have a good crisp crust, the, the shell has to be crisp. If it's if it's soggy, you know, you're really doing yourself a disservice and that's not a pleasurable experience. But if we're talking about like the prim, proper, well-made empanada, no matter where you're getting it from, where are we rating this on? Oh, and I, we didn't even mention our tier, tier sort of scale, right? So S tier being like, top of the line, can't beat it, best dumpling you've ever had, and then F tier being awful, never want to taste it again, why are these still being made? And then we fill in with with letter grades in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a pretty clear S, right? Yeah. Like just em- empanadas, just overall, just they've got to be in the S tier. They're just fantastic. We love them. Yeah, I know personally, we specifically love them. So I, I, they just belong in S, right? Yeah, absolutely. No question. S tier for sure for empanadas. No argument Mm -hmm. for me there. And I guess I'll take this next one being the gyoza guy. We are moving to Japan with the gyoza. And so gyoza, if you are also not familiar, is a specific type of Japanese dumpling recognizable thanks to its common crescent shape. Often they are steamed or pan fried. You can get them either or and typically filled with pork and cabbage and sometimes other vegetables as well, like carrot and things like that. And you can get them with other fillings. Shrimp gyoza is a a relatively common version of the gyoza as well. But pork is the go-to traditional sort of filling for for a gyoza. Yeah. Now, these are the ones that you can often find in grocery stores pretty much all over the world in the the frozen section. And when prepared well, these can be a solid dinner or a nice snack, uh, especially if you can, you know, nicely steam them at home or maybe both steam and fry them. Correct. Yeah. And I personally prefer them pan fried. I like the texture differential between the the fried edge. You get that little bit of crispiness, but then the rest of the wrapper is still kind of soft. And then mixed with the typically softer filling, I I tend to like the, the change in textures there. But steamed works just well, just as well. And it's a little bit of a healthier option given that you're not frying the, the dumplings in oil. But I actually have a personal goal that any time I go to a restaurant that serves gyoza, I have to order it if I've never had it from that restaurant. Keep a mm. list of all the places I've been and rating all the gyoza and such. So 
perhaps we'll walk through my tier list of just gyoza in a, in a later <laughs> episode of the dumpling dudes but i'm a big fan gyoza's top top of the list for me i mean to be honest i'm just gonna go ahead and spoil it there i've got to throw gyoza in the s tier yeah, let's be honest. Gyoza is S tier, despite being the cause of many, uh, many uh, young chefs' fire alarms going off. I'd say uh, I, I would honestly put gyoza in S tier. They, they've they've just wound up there. Absolutely. Now, next up, we've got pierogies uh, from Poland. Pierogies are, of course, filled dumplings made by wrapping unleavened dough around a savory or sweet filling and cooking in boiling water. Uh, sometimes, as well, pan fried before serving. So, I mean, you can get all sorts of, of fillings for this, although sometimes it's uh, potatoey. Sometimes you wind up with bacon inside. It could be cheesy. It could have uh, even vegetable filling, depending on it. Uh, again, often found in grocery stores across the world. And uh, I, I'll be honest, at any given time, I have at least two boxes of frozen pierogies in my freezer, just in case you need like a, a nice, quick, easy meal that you know is going to be great. Uh, sometimes I like to put a little bit of garlic salt on top, depending on the flavors that I have going on inside and maybe uh, garnish with some other, other vegetables and serve alongside a salad or something like that now are you a fried pan fried pierogi person or just boil them drain them throw them in a bowl and and eat them up yeah i'm pretty much just on the boil and plan sometimes i'll even toss like a, a pat of butter in <laughs> after i've drained the pot and uh, just kind of get like a nice creamy sauce going adding some other stuff in there too yeah pierogies honestly i mean we know where these are gonna wind up right Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely love a good pierogi. I've I like to make them myself, as I do with most of these. I'm just into cooking, so I tend to like to try to give these a go myself. And I've found the dough's not very difficult to make, but it can sometimes be difficult to work with. And the fillings, depending on the type that you make, don't hold very long. So if you if you aren't gonna be sort of wrapping all of them at once, um, you may want to not make too much of the filling. I found in the past that like when I make pierogi filling and I leave it in the fridge, it just doesn't really hold up. So it's better, you know, the recommendation would be to make the filling, make the dough, make as many pierogies as possible, then whatever you're not going to eat, just freeze them because Mm. you you can, you can freeze them and they'll hold for quite a while. Definite S tier. I just don't have any way to put it any, any lower than S tier. The Polish know yeah, what they're doing honestly. with these pierogies. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Uh, dumplings certainly are good, and we are the dumpling dudes, so it makes sense that we enjoy them. I, I should mention it as a little side note. Traditionally, this is sometimes served with like sour cream, which I think is interesting. Indeed. Uh, and, and I have had that once or twice. Um, I went to a kind of like a, a homemade pierogi restaurant uh, while on vacation last year and and had uh, that experience for the first time. I believe it was also served alongside applesauce, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, they can be. kind of be. some differences in flavor and texture. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The both are, are pretty common. I actually am a big fan of like a potato pierogi with uh, sour cream. You basically get mm. kind of like a loaded baked potato, but inside of this nice little dumpling wrapper. And yeah, yeah that's true. All right. From Poland, we're moving back across the world to Puerto Rico to talk about pasteles. And pasteles are made with pork and adobo stuffing encased in a green plantain masa and wrapped in banana leaves. Just delicious. I mean, you can't really go wrong with with pork and adobo stuffed in anything but let alone wrapped in in some good sort of basically dough i mean masa's masa's pretty close to a to a dough right and wrapped in leaves like it's just delicious i don't i don't really have anything more to add they're they're incredible yeah the first time i had masa i was surprised uh, definitely still a dumpling by our definition you know and of, of course we here on dumpling dudes uh, we know the definition of a dumpling as we've we've spent god how many episodes just covering the, the the definition of a dumpling itself but so long as it is fully enclosed uh, on all sides by some sort of um 
uh, a doughy or, or uh, proteiny uh, exterior, and then with some sort of traditional filling or other things inside, as long as it can be enclosed, uh, then we do define it to be a dumpling, of course. So, um, you know, all over across the world, we see slight differences in the, the dumpling exterior itself. Um, but masa is an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's just another awesome use case for plantains. I mean, if you have not explored the different ways to use a plantain, there are so many different ways to make plantains, and masa is another great application of that particular fruit. I'm a big fan, especially, you know, if you like the sort of South Central American sort of flavor palette, you're going to love pasteles, and, and especially the adobo, right? So I'm going to have to go ahead and just throw this in the S tier. I mean, it's it's in good company. It's a delicious, delicious dumpling, and S tier is where it belongs. Yep, agree. Solid S tier. I'm just going to slam that right in there. All right. So from there, we're going to head west into Central America, where we are taking a look at tamales. Now, tamales are traditional Mesoamerican dishes made also of masa, which you may not be too surprised to find given that they're relatively close in geography. But it's a dough made from corn in this case rather than plantain and is typically steamed in a corn husk or a banana leaf. And then the wrapping can either be discarded prior to eating or used as a plate even, which is a really cool functional food i really appreciate that the the creators of the tamale kind of thought that through and gave us our own little plate to be used in the middle of our our dish now i know what you're thinking ben just highlighted that that tamales or rather that dumplings have to be able to be enclosed and so we will throw it out there now most tamales are are open-ended on both sides so they nearly didn't make the cut for this list at all but they are wrapped in corn husks or banana leaves and therefore are technically sealed at some point. Mm-hmm. So it does make the list on a technicality. Now, you mentioned it was nice of the creators. Uh, just a fun fact, these actually can be traced all the way back to the Aztecs, Mayas, and Incans. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> these, have, these have stood the test of time. I think any dish that, you know, makes it this long, there's only one place where that dish belongs, right? Absolutely. Total S tier material. Mm-hmm. Straight back up to the S tier for uh, tamales. Wow, we we got a we got a pretty strong set of uh, of dumplings so far. Let's see if the rest of them can continue to compare. Next up, we've actually got ravioli coming from Italy. Now, of course, Italy, we've got a whole bunch of different potential dumpling options, but we've decided on ravioli. Now, these are a type of pasta comprising of a filling enveloped in a thin pasta dough, usually served in broth or with sauce. Uh, they originated as a traditional food in Italian cuisine. They're commonly square, but sometimes they uh, they can be in slightly different shapes, including maybe circular, semicircular. Uh, and uh, fun fact, the word ravioli actually means little turnips in Italian. Which I found to be pretty weird because they neither resemble nor taste anything like turnips. Maybe it's the specific way that they're kind of folded. Maybe. I don't know. I was really confused about this little fun fact, but it doesn't negate the fact that raviolis are delicious and offer a plethora of enjoyment opportunities right if you want to fill them with basically anything you want one of my personal favorites is and now i i'm not trying to toot my own horn here i'm not a ravioli regular or anything but i would say that my my homemade butternut squash ravioli is to die for it's absolutely delicious you know it's funny you say that i was just thinking that one of my favorite types of ravioli is pumpkin intriguing well they're not too far removed from each other butternut squash and pumpkin but yeah i'm a big fan butternut squash ravioli ravioli is probably my favorite otherwise of course there's the traditional cheese ravioli that you know you really just can't go wrong with and i actually do have a handful of store-bought cheese ravioli in the freezer at this very moment yep 
I love ravioli. Love mixing and mashing it. Love that it can be prepared with uh, meat or vegetarian. And honestly, pairs well with pretty much any sauce you can think of, including, as we mentioned, some of the maybe uh, perhaps what you might call weirder sauces. Like, uh, I don't know, is your uh, kind of like a, a squash based sauce? The pumpkin ravioli that I have, um, it is a pumpkin sauce. Intriguing. No, when I make them, I actually do. Um, so the, the filling is butternut squash, but the, the sauce that I put on is actually just basically like a sage butter. Um, mm. So not, not so much a sauce, but I coat them in, in like a sage butter. Now, we should talk about the elephant in the room. Chef Boyardee rears his ugly head once again. Uh, thoughts on Chef Boyardee ravioli? See, I'm not typically a fan of anything canned unless it's like a, like like anything pre-made canned, if that makes sense. So like his stuff is like a, a it's it's like a meal in a can that you just heat up. And I, I do buy like canned soups and stuff. But something about Chef Boyardee just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know. I'd rather just like buy frozen stuff and make it at home, I guess, in a weird way. I'd really rather just make it all from scratch, but I don't know. I've never been a fan of Chef Boyardee. I'm not sure what it is exactly. I went years without opening a can of Chef Boyardee ravioli, or Chef Boyardee anything for that matter. And then I was introduced to Filipino pasta, which is uh, not quite like Italian pasta. In fact, to make the sauce, it's actually a sweet sauce where you can add ketchup and sugar to an existing pasta sauce and to kind of get something re- resembling it. And then it gets maybe uh, even more interesting from there when you add uh, cut up pieces of hot dog to said uh, pasta. Fascinating. Mm. Love it. Uh, delicious. Then I ended up returning back because I realized, wait a minute, the Chef Boyardee sauce is one of the closest ways you can just purchase a similar, almost sickeningly sweet sauce uh, that, that Chef Boyardee sauce is very similar to what you might find in, in Filipino pasta, which I do love. So sometimes I do uh, I do cave and I do buy a can of Chef Boyardee pasta. Uh, but ravioli, honestly, uh, I stay off that stuff. Yeah, no, with ravioli, really anything Italian, unless you want somebody to travel from Italy to smack you in the face, which will happen if you do this. <laughs> you, you, want, you want a nice fresh sauce or as fresh as you can get. Now, we're moving slightly east from Italy to the large country of India, where we are looking at samosas. Now, I'm a huge fan of samosas. We have plenty of Indian restaurants around my area, and whether they're actually traditional or not, I'm not so sure. I need to talk to some of my Indian friends to figure that out because I've never been to India. So I don't know how to compare what the Indian restaurants here serve compared to what you might get in India itself. But samosa is traditionally a fried or baked pastry filled with a savory filling, including ingredients such as spiced potatoes, onions, peas, chicken, and or other meats, and often you can find them in a vegetarian form as well. And they can take different forms, including triangular, cone, or half-moon-shaped, depending on where in India you get them. And that's actually really cool to me, because I found that depending on where you are in India, the cuisine is completely different. Like, they make completely different food if you're in South India versus North India. Even East and West India have different cuisine types. It's kind of crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just love the diversity we see across food, especially in, within countries themselves. Samosas, honestly, I, I will say my first introduction to samosas was at the college dining hall where uh, they would have, you know, just prepared samosas and uh, they were made by the dining hall. But, you know, they were also you know, not, not the best in the world. Although even I, I will say uh, even the 
less than ideal quality uh, dining hall Rutgers samosas. Thanks, are you? I love them to the point where when they had them, I would sprint up to the dining hall and get a full plate. In fact, uh, on my 21st birthday, I infamously, well, prior to celebrating 21st birthday activities, uh, my meal of choice was a full plate of dining hall samosas uh, stacked two layers high. And <laughs> that, that, that was a great time by itself before the, the ensuing uh, 21st birthday celebration. Then, now having graduated and have access to actual samosas, I can say I love them even more. They are delicious. And one of my favorite things about samosas is not only the flavor profile, I'm a big fan of Indian flavors, but you get like an entire meal in one little packet, right? You've got mm-hmm. you've got vegetables, you've got meats, you've got starch, you've got everything you really need in in a full what we you know, what you would call a full dinner or meal or whatever. And I love that. I love getting all your food groups in there or most of them anyway and they're delicious. So S for samosas, S for S tier, if you know what I'm saying. I think we've got to throw them up with the S tier. Yeah, I agree. Samosas, definitely S tier. And I will say, samosas really make use of an underutilized uh, vegetable, being peas. Uh, I feel like we don't see peas around enough, and I love adding peas into the, uh, like a fresh pasta or something. But uh, whenever you just get a pea in a samosa, it's like, yes, this belongs here. This makes sense. Uh, what, a, what a nice, solid uh, dumpling option. Now, we should mention uh, Xiao Long Bao or steamed buns, or soup dumplings, as I often call them, a Chinese variant of dumplings. A small Chinese steamed bun, sometimes prepared in a, a long bamboo steaming basket, known as Shaolong, hence the name. And Shaolong Bao are often referred to as a kind of dumpling, but should not be confused with like British or American-style dumplings, uh, nor with other Chinese dumplings uh, of similar uh, maybe origin or shape. Now, soup dumplings, sometimes I find these are, are prepared in different ways. So... And to my knowledge, they're, they're, uh, the, the inside is prepared first in almost like a gelatin-type solution, uh, and then wrapped, and then uh, steamed or, or boiled or whatever, uh, however it's heated, uh, in which then the inside melts into soup. Uh, and then when you bite in, you get this really unique dumpling experience where you're taking a bite of soup. Yeah, yeah. And you do have to be careful eating them. Sometimes, you know, you have the misfortune of biting into a soup dumpling that is either boiling and will literally scald you till your mouth melts away. Or you you take that one awkward bite and like all of the soup filling just kind of splurts out on your face. And that's Uh never, um, never an exciting process. I'd rather it, you know, be consumed. But Bao are delicious. You really can't go wrong. They have so many different flavors. And and actually, the cool thing about these is that because the name kind of originates from the cooking apparatus in which you put them in, there are variations on Xiaolong Bao that are just basically what you might think of as a traditional bao bun that you might get like a pork bao or something at, at various restaurants. The dough itself is kind of rolled out and then in, in, in those sorts of bao, you would get the dough rolled out and then sort of placed into the steam baskets, as, as Ben was mentioning before, and place them over boiling water. And so from the boiling water, the steam rises up through the basket and they're usually stacked in layers. So you might have like a dozen or so dumplings per per layer. And I wouldn't classify the steam bun that I'm talking about, the traditional or maybe not traditional, but what I think of when I think of a bao bun as a dumpling, because it's more of a, I mean, the buns themselves resemble tacos in their shape. Like they are tiny and folded in half. They're not really like not fully enclosed, right? Right. But our soup dumplings are, of course, fully enclosed and... Oh, man. Just so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you did mention some of the, the potential pitfalls uh, of soup dumplings. 
And uh, I remember the first few times I tried eating soup dumplings where maybe I wasn't the most adept with chopsticks. Uh, thankfully, now I am. And, and I can say I haven't I haven't spilled or poked or punctured a soup dumpling in many years. Uh, but there's nothing sadder than seeing the soup leak out onto the <laughs> onto the basket or uh, what, what a waste. Such deliciousness. Uh, this is obviously S tier, right? Yeah, I mean, we mentioned some pitfalls, right? But the key factor of all of those pitfalls, operator error. I mean, every single one of them <laughs> stems from the person eating them, not doing it correctly. So can't blame the dumpling for that. And so we've got to put this in S tier for sure. Now, we're moving across the pond, as it were, because you may be, be thinking here, like we've been all over the world so far. We've been to, to tons of different countries, different hemispheres, but we have not yet touched the United States of America. And come on, the United States... We've got to have some pretty incredible dumplings here. We we like to eat and we like to stuff things full of food. So that's true. We're up first with probably the most popular American dumpling, if I had to venture a guess, the Uncrustable. Now, if by some absurd chance you've never heard of an uh, never heard of an Uncrustable, an Uncrustable is essentially a food stuff comprising of a, a filling. They're sealed between two layers of bread and then crimped at the edge. So you can kind of think of it as a sandwich of sorts that has no crust and has been like squeezed down at all the edges so it seals and um, a popular variety in the united states is your traditional peanut butter and jelly and who doesn't love peanut butter and jelly yeah so a fun fact about uncrustables those that might not know the history they were actually invented for cowards and babies that didn't understand how to eat the crust of sandwiches and from them they've kind of stemmed into a more widely enjoyed snack so uh uncrustables clearly do fit the definition of a dumpling however I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm sold on this one. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, I mentioned that the peanut butter and jelly is a popular variety, but in fact, it's the only variety of Uncrustable that I've ever had experience with. I've never had one that was different. And mm. I, they really are just sandwiches that have been enclosed. So I would kind of like to have tried maybe like a turkey and cheese Uncrustable, you know, something, mm. something yeah. a little bit more like, um, I don't know. I'm picturing you take like a good northeast american hoagie or sub or whatever variation of that word you use to describe a long sandwich with lots of meat and and vegetables and stuff in it and put that in an uncrustable but i've never had one i've never seen one and frankly i'd rather just the peanut butter and jelly like give me the crust come on Mm -hmm. plus knowing those ideal bites are going to happen where you get that nice edge of the bread depending on how rounded maybe part of the loaf of bread is but getting that one nice bite that one perfect bite where you do get the the reward of having spread the correct amount of peanut butter and jelly and whatever ratio you please uncrustables honestly these these have a a bit of a processed edge to them it's very difficult to make these uh, by scratch from home right because honestly it's almost more work (laughs) by the time you make the uncrustable you may as well have just you know, eaten the normal sandwich, whereas many of these other dumplings, there's a lot of care and time taken into it. And of course, they must be uh, heated or steamed or boiled or prepared in some way first. This is one that it doesn't actually need to be heated up. In fact, I think this would actually get worse if you heat it up. Very well could, though I will say slightly tangentially, I know it's not a dumpling, but peanut butter and jelly sandwich, put some bacon in it, pan fry it like a grilled sandwich. Oh, Absolutely delicious. If you have not given that a try, go for it. They're they're really, really good. But agree with you. That is kind of the American way, though. You know, uh, overly processed, extremely quick to make, can't really be replicated very easily at home, and certainly no love put into it. So I'm also going to have to knock it as well for the way you would eat an Uncrustable traditionally. Like, to get the best bites, you kind of have to go around it, eating what would traditionally be the crust on a sandwich. And then you're left with this like weird little island of Uncrustable that is now actually just a sandwich, but there's too much filling for it to stay 
in the thing. So you just put get, like mm. jellies getting yeah. everywhere and it's just it's the just ratio would be off. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to drop this one down to I'd say what D tier, maybe even F. I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna give it an F. I mean, there. Look, every child in America has probably had an experience with Uncrustables, but that's where the experience stops. I don't remember ever <laughs> having one in a, in my adult life, and I don't think I want to. No, as I said, uh, a snack for babies and cowards. This belongs in F tier. And uh, last but not least, on on our admittedly not complete, but again, we only have so much time in the world, right? Uh, we could easily keep going and exploring different versions of dumplings, but I think I'd like to leave off with one more from the United States that, again, you know, uh, we'll see how this one stacks up to the others, but good old Pop-Tarts, right? Pop-Tarts have a sweet filling inside two layers of thin rectangular pastry crust. Most varieties also have some sort of frosting on top, sometimes chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. Uh, although sold pre-cooked, they are designed to be warmed inside of a toaster or microwave oven. Now, you got to give some points for utility here, right? The fact that you can insert this into a toaster oven and wind up with uh, almost like a pastry uh, straight from the, the comfort of your own home. There's something clever going on here, at least in, in functionality. Yeah, I'm pretty sure anybody who microwaves a Pop-Tart, though, is a masochist. So don't do that. But nice toaster oven or toaster itself with uh, with Pop-Tarts, sure. You warm them up, get the inside kind of gooey, which is nice. But I like to think of these more as a dessert than anything, and I'm not typically looking for a dessert dumpling. They do exist. You can have them. Not typically my, my idea of a good dumpling, but I would say that Pop-Tarts are really skirting the edge of a dumpling. I mean, they fit all of our criteria, but they're, they're typically really thin. And for me, I, I want some girth to my dumplings. I want the filling to actually, like, be almost a meal when I'm done with them. And yeah, I'll, I'll also throw this out there as another knock to the Pop-Tart. Like, have you ever eaten one cleanly? They're a really messy thing to eat. They are. Yeah, often breaking, shattering, sometimes even spilling sprinkles on you if they have them. And sometimes you have the misfortune of opening a bag of Pop-Tarts because not only they're placed in a box, each of each inside the box, there are packages of them in, in pairs because, you know, extra packaging. Why not? And... <laughs> Inside of those packages, oftentimes they are just crumbled messes. Like they're not even a full pop tart by the time you actually get to them. Yeah, so that's true. That is also unfortunate. Yeah, I, I think pop tarts have more going for them than uncrustables. But just look at this absolute god tier list we have going here. Uh, a nice variety, a nice spread across all different ranks. But uh, honestly, pop tarts don't feel like they stack up against any of these. No, I mean even between the uncrustables and a pop tart, I'm not even sure which I could say is better than the other. I've got to put this at F tier. It's just not doing it for me. I'm going to give this one an F plus because uh, there are a variety of flavors that the Uncrustables don't offer, but uh, definitely solidly an F. Well, that does it for us this week. We'll quick roundup. We've got the empanadas at S tier, gyoza at S tier, pierogies at S tier, pasteles at S tier, tamales at S tier, ravioli at S tier, samosas at S tier, Bao at S tier, Uncrustables at F tier and Pop Tarts at F tier. So that's it for us this week. The Dumpling Dudes are signing off. Definitely check out the Dumpling Discord. As I mentioned, the, the link to that's in the episode description. We've got channels for all the dumpling types that we mentioned today, as well as more. I mean, there are so many dumplings in the world, and we've got channels for all of them. So check that out if you're interested. And if you'd like to support the show directly, jump into the Patreon. It's the best place to do that and support us for you know, frankly, taking the hard work to come out here and and put ourselves on the line by tier listing <laughs> all of these dumplings. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of hate mail for this, but you know what? We had to t- we had to stake our flag. And and uh, now, you know, this is where we stand. Mm-hmm. It was finally time for, for someone to say it. Absolutely. And remember, all of our bento box 
patrons will have access to our monthly cooking kind of one-on-one or one on depending on how many bento box subscribers we've got by the time we do it but you know we like to do our little cooking class for various dumpling types this month i believe ben it's the pierogi yeah we're gonna tackle pierogies get that sour cream ready folks all right and then if you want to follow us outside of the discord you can do so on social media find us on twitter actually at zachy hackett for myself and at betafish1 for ben thanks folks enjoy your dumplings and we'll talk to you next week 